Congratulations. You made it to the Xville. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you do too. This week we want to talk about some developments that we've kind of noticed in-game and then we've sort of leaned into and some of it comes from experience on our own some of it comes from experience playing with other people but we want to speak specifically to what we're seeing with the amount of squads we're running into and how to combat that and how to lean into it because we've done a little bit of each so that's what we're going to be talking about this week on the show as far as hideout keeping um for those of you that are in discord you may have seen my message but i Went out of town for a few days over the weekend on an opportunity to see my family that I haven't seen in over a year. And one of the things that I did when I was at the airport is I actually went through and read a bunch of comments on all kinds of different platforms that you guys have rated and commented on. And really what it boils down to is I felt super encouraged. It was awesome just reading all of the comments, all of the reviews, and just some of the some of the comments where people have been listening for a long time and they went in to rate it just to tell somebody who finds the show what they really are going to get out of it and hearing people who started listening before they ever picked up the game and it was the reason they felt that they were able to pick it up and be successful and then ultimately were is just an incredible incredible thing and i just wanted to thank you all so much for the ratings the reviews and the constructive criticism that we also get in the comments. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a part of me that hates seeing those in public where anyone can go and read them because I'd rather address it and we try to. And many of the older ones we've very intentionally managed and done. But uh, I, I really don't care where you give us feedback. But I just wanted to say thanks again. That was just a really cool like half hour I had at the airport reading all of those comments. So for those of you in Discord, I know that I sent that message out, but for those of you that just listen or just watch on YouTube, I uh, wanted to say thank you to anybody who's taken the time to support the channel in any way, whether it's liking us, follow, retweet, whatever, but those comments do mean a lot. So thank you for that, and yeah, that's what I got. What's on uh, your side of the hide out there, Mr. Ronald? Hey, what's up, everybody? Well, before we talk about uh, you know the normal ways that you can get a hold of me, I just want to remind everyone of a rule that we have in Discord. If you are a content creator and if you are making videos, that is great. We do not have a problem with that in our Discord community, but we do have a special place for you to put them. And a couple of uh, videos over the weekend, I had to move and I felt a little bad, but at the same time, you know, we, we definitely want people to put them in the right spot. So we do have in the welcome area and in the rules, you can see where we allow people to post the stuff that they create. Go ahead and put it there and people will find your stuff and you can share what you're making with the community. And that's the appropriate place to put that. 
dropping it in general chat for everyone to find is going to get it moderated out. And I just want everyone to be clear on that so that, you know, there's no surprises there and no one will feel bad about that. But besides that, the best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord. So while you're in Discord, putting your video in the correct spot, tag me in it because I'd love to watch it. Or you can tag MTB. If you have a question for us or feedback on the show, go ahead and drop it there as well. Or if you have a question about your PC, we have a very active hardware section in our Discord. If you're new to PC gaming coming over from console, lots of ways to support you there. Get your questions answered. Just this week, I had several people send me different PCs that were for sale. Is this a good PC to buy? I've never bought a PC before. Looking to build my first gaming PC. Got back to them. And uh, now they're well off in their uh, unhealthy addiction to Tarkov that we all share. <laughs> you can also follow me on Twitter, at Ronald Gaming. And a couple times a week, I hang out in MTB Trigger Switch Stream. You can find me there, hanging out and chatting uh, in the afternoons mostly while we watch Trigger play. If you have something more formal that you'd like to get to the show, you can email it to xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. That's the business contact for the XP Media side of the house for all of our shows, this one, the PUBG show, everything else that we do. And support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use code XFIL for 20% off and free shipping on your order. The best in men's grooming hardware and product at Manscaped.com. That's code EXFIL, 20% off and free shipping. Make sure you get that code in there. Other ways to support the show, I'll just echo what I said before, commenting, liking, sharing, all of the things that you guys do, reviews, five stars, all of those things are amazing. Feedback also helps tremendously. I mean, if you have something that uh, you really think that we could do better or you want us to talk about, we take all of that into consideration. Uh, one of the ones that came up recently uh, is getting our cameras faced the right way for YouTube. And it's not as easy as it sounds all the time because of the way that we have everything set up. You know, we do this for fun, right? It's it's not a professional studio that may shock some of you, but it's not a professional studio. And so some of it takes us some time to figure out exactly how to do it. But that should be updated and live as of today. So those of you that reached out to us with that feedback, even the ones that told us about it months ago, it's fixed now. We're here. So thank you. Uh, for those of you that want to support directly, two ways you can do that. Patreon. We do have an active Patreon membership available for as low as a dollar a month. Thank you to the patrons already supporting there. And we also have my Twitch channel where you can use your Prime Gaming or just a regular subscription. But if you have an Amazon account already, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription that you pay for personally, once a month, you can go into a Twitch channel and give a subscription there, which helps them out monetarily. And it's free for you to do. So if you use that on my channel, thank you so much. A ton of you have been coming through and doing that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And then lastly, again, follow our social media, check us out on YouTube. <laughs> I heard from somebody this last week that feels guilty every time we mention that you should go check us out on YouTube. So I'm saying it again, and you know who you are. Go check us out on YouTube. There's stuff there for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear from you. I know I will. Go check it out. Come on. Guides, tips and tricks, and even all of the other content from the other games that we cover as well. So if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me on Twitch. You can find me on Twitter and Discord at MTB Trigger. But that is hideout keeping. Let's get into our weeks in Tarkov, man. How was, uh, how was your week in Tarkov this week? You know, it's been an interesting week. I have definitely 
gone through some experience, which are going to be very relevant for our main topic tonight, talking about running into squads. I've had really two kind of things is what I had time to do this week, and that was get on customs, try to get some scav kills, but also get some PMC kills for friend from the West. And let me tell you, I can't find any friends from the West. I keep finding a lot of friends from the East. I keep killing bears. <laughs> no USEX. Where are all the USEX? <laughs> it's not good. So it's really been kind of frustrating there. I need two more and I can't find the two more. And so I've been killing scavs on customs, trying to get two of those tasks done and kind of a continuation from last week's week in Tarkov and kind of working on some new farming spots. And it's really interesting. At first, I thought that we had found a good farming spot in the middle of the map. And now it may look like it's a good squad or a dual spot to farm. And when we get into that, we'll talk about kind of how that goes. But it really is not a good solo spot to farm. Besides that, I've been working on just making money because I've got graphics cards that I need to buy to round out Bitcoin level two. So I've got 12, I think now, or 13 now, and at 1.1 million a piece or finding them in raid, which is extremely rare for me. I've been doing a lot of night scav running on interchange, which is great because that is just like printing money. Every 10 minutes or so, you get in there and your raid time is less than 10 minutes. I would say average is probably seven minutes and your bags are full and you head out and it's 200,000 to a million each time you run out. And every now and then, uh, you run into a bunch of uh, thick gear that's been laying around in the middle of the mall. And I had one of those today where I ran, <laughs> I got some, some thick boy loot and clapped some people on the way out. It was a good time. Loaded up, overburdened, made it out, and everything was good. And then in the past week, though, I've had a couple instances where I've run into exfil campers on my scav on interchange at the Emercom exit. And, you know, this is really interesting because I ran into a situation where I had 45 seconds left in the raid and there was a team of four exfil camping and I got into a fight with them and I ended up dying, but I died with 10 seconds left. So nobody got out. There's no way they, they would have been able to get anything from me and get over to the exfil. They were just simply too far away and I was in between the exfil and where they were shooting at me. And it was just kind of interesting because I have no problem with exfil camping. That's your thing. Doesn't bother me a bit. That's just part of the game and how the game works. But it's usually for a purpose, right? You're trying to get something and then live. And in this particular case, it just seemed like these people were bored and that was just the end of it. So it was an odd situation. I can't say that I've really ever run into a situation where people were camping the exfil and it was pretty clear they didn't care if they lived. They were just trying to grief, which is just um, was a first for me. So yeah, that was an interesting situation this week. And that's about it. How about you? Well, I will get it in mind. I find that situation really interesting, right? Because griefing in Tarkov is a very, it's hard to know <laughs> if someone's griefing. So when you run into it and it's just super weird like that, right? It's like, it's either like, okay, were they <laughs> just so excited to see somebody after waiting an entire raid that, <laughs> that, that they just lost track of time and chased you down and then they screwed themselves? Or was it, you know, they didn't know what to do. So they went to the exit and sat there. Or was it truthfully, they were just trying to grief and not let people exit. And it would be unfortunate if that's the case. It sounds like it could have been that. But it's super interesting to me because in the last week, they did remove an item that was being abused as a griefing item, which was the grenade launcher. And, you know, it, the, the way it was being abused may not even be 
super common to most players, but it was most commonly being used on a naked PMC except for a grenade launcher. And they would go into labs and just shoot a couple rounds at the first PMC they saw. And if you use that thing for a while, it was pretty accurate. So they got pretty good at killing enemy PMCs, taking all their loot, and then proceeding on their labs run. Which, whether you think that's griefing or a valid strategy, Battle State sort of ruled in the favor of they don't like how it was being used. Which, hey, hey Nikita, I could have told you that it was going to be abused. <laughs> I'm personally very happy about that, and I hope that they rethink the picture of the rocket launcher that they teased on Twitter or Reddit or whatever. But anyway, it's kind of interesting because in World of Warcraft, griefing would come through like somebody camping your corpse, right? Like you die and they would just keep killing you over and over and over and over again. And there's really no opportunity for continued punishment to the same player. Like if you kill a player or prevent them from doing something, congratulations, you did it once. Now they're going to go and <laughs> do whatever they want. They may go to a different map and you won't find them again. So it's interesting that that could have been a griefing scenario, but I don't know. I just, I haven't ran into a whole lot of that personally outside of maybe the flashbang shotguns. You know, there was a time when the rounds were plentiful and you could buy a bunch of them that it felt like people were griefing enemy players with the flashbang shotgun. But that's the closest that I've come to really true griefing in this game. It was definitely one of the weirdest situations I think I've run up on. I mean, I was coming up to the Emercom exit through the woods on the far side of it, and there was 45 seconds left in the raid. And you would think a four-man would want to be out by then. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But there is a chance that they were just coming the other way. It was just a very odd situation. Uh, and where they were, they were basically proned out on the back of a truck looking towards the exfil. So that kind of feels like they perhaps weren't making their way towards the exfil. They were just waiting for people in the area. But Tarkov is so random on purpose, that who knows what they were trying to do. But it was definitely the weirdest exfil camper situation that I've run into. I mean, I've been exfil camps. So, I mean, people laying down in the bush, killing you, whatever. GG's. Move on to the next raid. This was like, all of a sudden, we're having a full-on war. And I just happened to have a little bit of cover by the two tents on the wood side of the Emercom exfil. And I just couldn't get close enough for the countdown timer to start. And then we just you know, we started firing at each other. So really weird situation. So I guess, you know, maybe it wasn't griefing. I'm going to stick with my stance. I think they were just trying to be jerks at the Xville. Uh, I don't think they really had a purpose. But yeah, it was really weird. Never run into that in all of the raids that, you know, I've played. Yeah, super interesting. Uh, but it, it, so as far as my week goes, though, I was, uh, I mentioned before, I was out of town for a few days, so I lost uh, two of the days I normally get pretty heavy playtime on. So I didn't have a tremendous amount, but I the grades that I, I did get this week, I was working on a couple tasks in particular, and I needed to survive on interchange uh, seven times, and then I had insomnia, which is to kill 30 PMCs between uh, midnight and 5 a.m., so basically nighttime PMC kills, 
I had decontamination, which is kill 40 scabs on interchange under 60 meters while wearing the respirator mask, which are kind of end of task line sort of tasks. And I sort of bundle things up by map now. So I kind of got all the interchange ones at the same time, because if you end up having a really good raid and you clear the PMCs off the map, then you can clear scabs. So I intentionally tried to group those together, but I kind of went at this where the PMC kills because you only have the five hour window is kind of frustrating and challenging sometimes because if you go in and have a really long raid but you don't counter a bunch of PMCs it can be super challenging because you're like oh I just want to kill PMCs and work on this and then you get out of the raid and you're outside the window and now you have to wait a long time before you're back in the window so had a little frustration with that but I did make some really good progress and I got about three hours of attempts on these particular tasks and I got about halfway done with insomnia and I think I have 16 of this 40 scav kills for decontamination. So I had some great, great interchange raids, which will kind of lead us into our main topic. And again, we wanted to talk about squads. Before I kind of give my my raid story, I did want to sort of explain why this came up. You know, we have had and I do want to just say a very special welcome to all the new listeners. Um, the number of new listeners and new people on YouTube has been insane in the past two weeks, specifically in the last two weeks. And one of the things that we've been messaged, we've had in comments on YouTube videos, and it's even come up in Discord, is how do you go from picking up the game and struggling, or maybe you've been playing for a while solo, and how do you squad with someone else when maybe you aren't the best at the game or you're not used to playing outside of solo or maybe you started out and you're just playing really passive and and sticking to the perimeters how do you adjust your play style you know when should you do it why should you do it and so we talked about this and i think ronald and i have different takes on this but we also have similar takes based on what we've seen in the game recently so to kick it off, I want to share just a quick story about an interchange raid last week. This is before I went out of town. I finished editing because I had to get the podcast done before going out of town, and I wasn't quite ready to be done for the night, so I went into Discord, and there was a squad that had four people in it in one of the bigger channels, and I uh, asked them if I could join up. They were running interchange, and I said, yeah, I got some tasks there. Love to join. I don't really have an agenda. Just love to come along. And as you all know, I prefer to play solo, and then second to that would be duo, and I rarely play in big squads. So joining this was purely going to be a learning experience. You know, I committed to my mind, I may lose all my gear, I may mess up, don't know what's going to happen. So we get in there, uh, we're trying to get, you know, PMC kills, we're checking if kill is there, we're trying to get graphics cards for somebody in the raid. And we're trying to hit the the different named stores for the tour quests. I don't remember which one it is, but they had to go into Avocado and all of the different stores around the map. And ultimately, we go up to the second story and we're above Techlight and we start moving into the middle of the mall in the upper area. And one of the things that I'll say is I don't know the upstairs very well at all kind of know where tech light is. I know how to get around. I know all of the areas, but I don't know what they're called. And that's going to become really important later. So there's five of us and we're all over the place. And one of our teammates goes down and we kind of get a good call out on it. We end up killing the guy. 
And then we're moving towards the middle of the mall. And again, at the time, I didn't know what this stuff was called, but we started moving between urban and closer towards the octagon and the upstairs. So then another one goes down and it's Rennie, if you know Rennie from the Discord. And he makes the call. I think he's somewhere over by Urban. So I'm in a position that I didn't know at the time I was on an incredibly good flank for this enemy. I was in this little construction room right in the middle of that section. I'm looking towards the octagon. To my right is Urban. And I'm like, where is he? And Rennie's like, he had to be at Urban. I got hit on the nape, I believe it was. And the only way he could have done that is if he was by Urban. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know where that is. So I'm going to sit still and (laughs) hopefully we can figure this out. So we're all trying to figure out where this enemy is. And then all of a sudden I see a guy creeping from right to left. And I just quickly called the comm out. Is anybody creep walking? No. Boom. Shot him twice. Killed him. It was the guy that killed Rennie. So at that point, we're down two. And then we lost a third guy to another PvP fight or one of the earlier ones. And we had heard an absolute crazy PvP fight going on below, down near Generic and Adic and Avocado. So at this point, we ditch everybody's gear, and then it was Tony Piff and me running around like crazy, and we run all over the upstairs, and I'm following him. And then we go down, and we wrap around to where all this PvP was, and we ended up getting into a fight. We had a fight in Avocado where the guy was back in a corner. He took some shots. He didn't drop us. We couldn't quite figure out where he was, so we ended up splitting. He ran through Generic, and I ran through Rasmussen, and we came up on either side, and he's like, all right, I'm going to peek, I'm going to peek. He says, I see him. He's prone in the back left corner. I had the angle. I threw a grenade right when he said that. It lands at the guy's feet, kills him, and we finished it out. And at that point, we were pretty confident based on just the six dead bodies down there and then the two that we killed upstairs and our three teammates who had gone down that it was pretty empty. So we ended up looting. We then went out the safe room exfil and we ended up finding a Ledex in there. And that was the rate. I mean, we had a ton of PvP, had all of this crazy stuff happen. But I wanted to outline the whole raid because going into it, I did not know where Urban was. I had never had PvP happen in that section of the mall. I didn't know really how enemies would rotate through there. And I didn't know the callouts, right? But I also wasn't like polluting the communication. I wasn't asking tons of questions. I was just kind of following, taking it in. And then I ended up getting a couple of kills and communicated how I could. But at the end of it, now I know exactly where Urban is positioned to tech light. I know how a player could have flanked our five man because of the one area that we didn't cover, which was that back Ollie staircase. It's the only place they could have came from and flanked us the way they did. So I learned a ton about a part of interchange that I wasn't super familiar with. And there's no other way for me to get that information than playing in this squad I learned some callouts, had a lot of fun. We lost three teammates. We had two get out. We ditched all their gear. And I know that was a long explanation, but it was a very, very profound raid experience for me because normally big raids are just super challenging for me. And this one was too, but I tried to go into it with a learning mindset and it sort of led into us, again, wanting to talk about this. So wanted to break that down and then we've got some other stuff we want to talk about. But that was a, it was an incredible raid that I had just a few days ago. That that raid sounds pretty crazy. I think it's 
worth breaking down how playing in large groups is different than playing solo. Hopefully, if you're a new player, you can kind of get something out of how dynamic it can be to play with more people in Tarkov. It's not just like adding one or two players changes the game just a little bit. Adding a whole squad of people really changes the way the game works. And so let's start breaking that down a little bit. When you started off with five people going into a map that you know you know pretty well at this point, you're pretty much an interchange expert, but you're usually playing it solo. So what is like the first main difference of going in playing with four other people? Yeah, I mean, that's a great two-part question, right? What did you expect and what's the main difference? Because those are very different things. I, I guess for me, when I go into a big squad game, I just expect to die. And that's not a negative thing, but I really tailor my gear and my expectations around, if I don't get out, how am I going to have fun doing this? And for me, that was, I had a kit that I had just taken off a guy in factory. It's a five-man team. So I don't really need the pilgrim bag I was wearing. So I put on a scav backpack. Again, didn't expect to come out with a whole lot of loot. Just wanted to help get the quests done for the guy that was getting those done. And then maybe get some kills and work on my tasks in the process. So that's kind of what I expected. I expected very little, uh, really nothing. I try to have no expectations when running a way that's not my norm. The key difference for me, though, in running a bigger squad than solo or even duo is sound. One of the biggest challenges in squads is sound. You spend a lot of time hearing all of your teammates' footstep, gunshot, crouch, pivot, anything they do, you hear, which basically makes it really hard to use audio as a cue for enemies. And second, is the voice communication. You know, somebody laughs or <laughs> says something funny and I, you basically are relying on visual cues. You're relying on knowing the rotations of enemies and then you're relying on the verbal cues from your teammates on where they saw someone, what they saw, what they didn't see. And it's just a very different play style those are the differences for me. You know, so may, I, I don't know, do you expect different things in squads like that? Is there something else that you would add to that? I would add that there's always somebody who is the dominant player in the squad, you know, whether there is an acknowledged leader or not, especially if there's no acknowledged person who's going to be kind of in charge, there's always a dominant player. So they're always going to be either off on their own or you're following them, one of the two. And I find that dynamic to be just so different than playing solo that it can be a little hard at times. Sometimes it's great because you have someone who you can follow and they're the one who's kind of leading people through the map and they can kind of have a feeling of where it's okay to go, when it's okay to go there, those kinds of things. Or if you're looking for a particular item or PvP or whatever, but there's always kind of a, an established leader in the group. And I find that to be an interesting challenge at times. That's a really good point. Something else that I was thinking about while you were talking about that is, you know, you kind of mentioned like Interchange is a map that I'm really familiar with. When they said they were doing Interchange, that's actually one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, I'll go, right? Because I'm, I'm not worried about it. If they say something, I know where it's at. Well, what I realized really quick was I know the main floor of the Interchange Mall, like the back of my hand. I know where everything's at. The upstairs, though, 
I know it, but I don't know the names of it. Meaning I've really only played up there solo or when I've gone up there in squads, it was to hit tech light and it was to hit the ultra medical room. And that was it. There was no PVPing. There was no trying to initiate PVP up there. It was very, very different. So I expected to go in and be, oh yeah, no problem. Just, you know, just one of the pack and immediately got thrown out of my element because I just don't know upstairs very well in terms of somebody making calls. And to your point, uh, in this raid particularly, Tony Piff, uh, who is an endurance and strength champion, jumping and running all over the map, hard to keep up with, and Rennie both have incredible map knowledge and they were making comms, they were making callouts. And, you know, one of the things is it's hard to keep up, but one of the things that I try to do, and I guess this is something that I would recommend is most players aren't going to expect that if you come join the group that you're going to know everything they're talking about. If you're asking what every little thing they're saying is, it's going to slow down the raid tremendously. But if you just kind of listen, pay attention, kind of get your, keep your wits about you, like when he said, the guy's coming from Urban or shot me from Urban, and I didn't know where that was, but then I killed the guy, I took five or ten seconds to look around. I'm like, okay, well, there's Urban. That's where Rennie died. I want to walk out that way, and I look right. Oh, there's Tech Light, and down left, oh, there's the Sneaky Stairs. Got it. I know how this guy got here, and now I can commit that section of the upstairs mall to memory. No one was like, oh, don't you know where that is? And no, I, I, I didn't say no, but I also wasn't like, no, I don't. Uh, here's where I'm at. You, you know, I didn't cloud up the communication because I didn't know. I just played my position and let the other guys work. And then I ended up holding a good angle and it worked out. That's not always going to be the case, but that's what happened in this scenario. You know, and if you're a new player to Tarkov and maybe you're new to FPS, here's kind of a cultural tip to what's expected of you when you play in a squad. If one of your teammates goes down, you're expected to kind of defend their loot. It's just kind of an unwritten rule. Sometimes it's not always possible, but if it is possible, you're kind of expected to try to take their stuff and hide it so they get it back in, in some kind of insurance return. And what Trigger did here is he didn't really know exactly where all the calls were, but he just was quiet and stopped for a second and still maintained kind of eyes on where Rennie died. You were looking specifically because you figured, I mean, if you kill somebody in a PvP action, you're going to want to go loot him to see what's going on. And sure enough, he did get the kill as the guy was slow walking over. But I didn't want to gloss over this point because for the new players who are just picking this up, there is kind of a cultural norm, which kind of goes with or without saying that you do want to try to defend the gear of your buddy that came in and try to stop the person that killed them, whether that's getting them, avenging their death by getting them or getting their gear off and taking it with you to a point where you can drop it and ditch it. And if you do that, you're going to make a lot of friends playing in squads that way without ever being asked to do that. And it, it's a kind of a nice thing to do in the first place, but something super important to note. I actually agree with that a lot in general. I think the better the communication is and the longer the raid goes, I've been in plenty of scenarios where I knew the person with me had a task item. We've run into this scenario a lot where when we were running Shoreline, there were times when you had tasks done and I got killed. I knew where the guy that killed me, I knew what gear I had, but I knew that you had either found and raid items or something you had to survive with. And in those scenarios, yeah, I think the general expectation is to defend the gear. But as the person who died 
in those scenarios, I made the call and would say, get out, get your task turned in. That was our goal. Go do it. And it's not that you need that confirmation, but you know, on the flip side of it, if you're the person that dies, if you've been paying attention or aware of what the person accomplished in raid, it may not be worth them protecting your loot. Or maybe you didn't have a really good loadout, you know? Maybe you were wearing a junk armor or, you know, just something you don't really care about or a gun you took off of another player that you don't really care if you get it back or not. Quick communication around that stuff can change it. In this case, you know, it was worth throwing Rennie's gear. Rennie was kitted out. And we hadn't really accomplished a whole lot in the raid yet. We still had a couple of guys up, so we weren't in a hurry. There was no one that's like, I got a graphics card and a Tetris, we got to get out of here. Nope, this was purely just, we ran into some PvP early and we wanted to finish it. And if we all died for the cause, that's great. If one person survived on the enemy team, a lot of us probably get our gear back anyway, because it's in an obscure spot and they can't carry all of it. So great point. I think culture that is a very common expectation that if your buddy dies, you don't just run in the other direction. And that can be very like counterintuitive. Like you may have a flight response when you don't know how your buddy died. And if they're like, I just got shot. I don't know where. What the heck? Blah, blah, blah. You may want to run. Sometimes that will happen. You don't need to feel bad if that has happened or it does happen. But I do think that's a good point. General expectation is, you know, defend your defend the gear. Absolutely. Because playing in squads is different than playing solo. The cadence, obviously, there's more people. It is just something that you do have to get used to, especially if you're used to playing by yourself. One of the things that I wanted to talk about is why Tarkov right now feels like you're always running into at least a duo, at least a team. I would say that I don't feel like I'm running into a five-man all the time, but I do really feel like I'm running into at least a duo or a group of three pretty consistently. And it seems like this wipe, Tarkov has really turned into a team game. And have you noticed that at all? Yeah, we've we've joked about it, right? Or I've joked about it or whatever, but I I have. I, I notice a lot of people playing in in at least a duo. The rule of thumb that I've always said is if I kill somebody, I pretend their partner's around the corner. And I failed at this today. I killed someone and went straight for a reload and their partner came around the corner and just destroyed me. And I was so mad at myself. But yeah, I've, I've noticed it. You notice a lot of squads running around. And I don't know that I could point to one reason why. I think we spent a lot of time analyzing how this wipe might be different because of when it started and how much playtime some people had at the beginning of the wipe that normally wouldn't. Perhaps the progression of the entire player base is further along than previous wipes. Additionally, the player base that started in December of 2019 is now a couple wipes in, which means they have way more map knowledge than the past few wipes. They have way more task knowledge. Just overall game sense is through the roof. The vast majority of the player population in Tarkov started in December of 2019. That's not to say if you started before that, that's not diminishing that in any way. It's not saying that that's a tiny population. There was absolutely a lot of people that played the game. But when 200 plus thousand, you know, daily users started playing in that month compared to the 30,000 or whatever it was before, a lot of players are just now hitting their stride. And this game is so challenging that a lot of people play together or it's common to want to play together. So 
Yeah, man. I, I don't run into a lot of solos. I run into a lot of squads. It doesn't even on factory. I've been running into a lot of duos, really duos often. I think that that is really kind of turned into the norm and it makes a lot of sense. Tarkov's a very difficult game to play solo at a certain point. If you decide that you're going to push tasks, the tasks are going to force you into situations that are just hard to do if you're just playing by yourself. It's just an observation and it really comes back to if you're going to play in a, a squad you're going to run into other players that are most likely playing in groups, which is going to create interesting and somewhat exciting PvP scenarios. So going back to that interchange run, did you guys run into another group or a squad? That would be the question that I'm kind of thinking about here as we're talking. Yeah, three of them. So upstairs, the initial fight where we lost two guys was to a duo, I believe. And then the solo player picked off our third player and then Tony and I ended up fighting against a squad that was below both early and later. And so it may have been a solo and then two squads, and there may have been two squads fighting down in the bottom. And I believe Killa was in the raid, so there was kind of a homing beacon in that area anyway. <laughs> so it was just crazy. And actually, no, I know Killa was in the raid because we actually... <laughs> One of the guys that survived, the last guy that we killed, this is funny, I totally forgot about this. We're like, okay, this guy didn't leave, and there's all these dead bodies here, and he's proned out in the corner of Avocado. We actually found the loot pile of all of the gear that he ditched. <laughs> and it was like a moment of like just great feelings and then it was a moment of just like this guy worked so hard to hide all of his buddy's gear and what he actually did was stack it all really nicely in one cor <laughs> in one corner for us <laughs> so like i kind of felt bad but also it's tarkov so we're taking your gear sorry <laughs> and the question is then how overburdened were you trying to get out I was struggling to keep up with Tony. Tony, I think, has max endurance and a very high strength level. So he's running around and still jumping, and I was not. Uh, I was struggling to keep up a little bit. So he actually ended up going upstairs, pulling the lever to make the safe room available, and then I waited for him, and we went down. I actually looted Kiba while he did that. So he unlocked Kiba, went upstairs, pulled that, came down. We filled every last slot because there was nothing left on the map. And then we went down to the safe room. Yeah, very crazy raid. Crazy raid. Yep. It's interesting how that kind of changes and works out in that situation. You can run into, you know, squad versus squad and how dynamic that can be for PvP. Yeah. And, and it just kind of leads to the point that we were kind of dancing around, which is why running squads can be really good right now. And you know, we've mentioned that we've seen a lot of squads, but I think a lot of people are running them for a few different reasons. One is if a couple team members survive or even one survives, there's a chance that everybody gets their gear back on insurance and that person gets out with some loot or even can bring your gear out. I think the other big thing is tasking, right? Especially when it's loot and item that isn't otherwise needed, like it's a task item, like go get this item, it's in this room, and it's a quest-only item, 
that can be amazing in squads because you basically have a bunch of bodyguards. And so it can be great for getting stuff like that done. Or you have to go explore an area. I think what is challenging about squads, though, is part of what happened to us. You know, Tony and I got out and had great raids, made a lot of money, got out with a lot of gear. The guy that needed to get his tasks done and go visit all of those spots in the mall and then successfully leave, he's got to go back. And we spent 35, 40 minutes in that raid doing all this PvP, collecting all this loot and getting out. And that was the last raid of the night. So it can also be a detriment when the person who's trying to get the task done dies. Or maybe you have four or five people working on the same task and a couple die. And then you face burnout because you end up doing the same task over and over and over and over, which ultimately probably makes it easier to get done in the long run. But it can be, you know, mentally challenging. So know that and know that, you know, hey, can we go run to dorm room 220 again? (laughs) Can become a burdensome request. So there's also some downsides to squads as well. So just keep those in mind. Yep. I mean, at any point, if you die and have to do it again, it just sucks in Tarkov. And that just is what it is. One of the things I'd like to talk about as we kind of, you know, get through this discussion is the real advantages of playing solo or playing in a squad and what you think is better and why. Kind of go through your headspace on that, how you look at both of those situations. I've got some thoughts on it, but I really like to hear what you think first. I think the distinct advantage for solo is the ability to quickly and easily adjust your play style. And for me, that means I can play really aggressive. And then if I want to, I can switch to playing totally passive. And I don't have to communicate that with anybody. If I'm playing solo, I don't have to convince somebody that that's the right call. If I'm not the leader in the scenario in squads, then, it, you know, you may, you may be barking up a tree that's it's not going to cave. In solos, there's an advantage where you can do whatever you want, when you want, and it all falls back on you. So if you mess up, you're the only one that's at fault. If you get unlucky, you're the only one that got unlucky. So I think there's a big advantage to solos for that reason. You also get to play sound a lot more. Sound is important in squads, and you can gain a lot of information from where gunshots are or where grenades go or, you know, if everybody's on the same floor and you hear somebody running on metal and no one's near metal. I mean, you can get audio cues. They just aren't as powerful in squads. So those are the big advantages I think solo players have. And I also think, I mean, like, look at that Xfil camping squad that you ran into at Emercom at the end of that raid. That's a wild scenario. But imagine the conversation that took place for all four of them to be okay waiting till the very end of the map and then getting into a fight. Like, (laughs) and then not exfilling, right? Because you fought them hard enough that they engaged and probably lost track of time and didn't get out. You can't tell me that all four of them were in a hurry to go sit in a 50 minute long interchange map again and do that again. I would guess that there was some heated discussion after how useless of a raid that was. So again, advantage solo player because you can play however you want and you can freely switch back and forth whenever you want. You could do it every minute if you want. And I routinely do this on Factory. Factory is the map where I will take one little tiny piece of information that I gain from sound usually 
And I will basically change my play style on demand to react to that. And you don't always have the ability to do that in squads. Yep, that's absolutely true. I was thinking about factory and how different it is to play factory in either a duo or a squad or solo. When we started talking about this, I was thinking about the first time, you know, I talked about it, I think two weeks ago, where I cleared the lobby on factory by myself. And that was a huge moment for me. It was kind of the culmination of lots of attempts and lots of dying, but getting good at hearing and then making choices based on that sound, right? And clearing that lobby, it was two teams. They weren't solo players. It was two teams. And when I was thinking about that, when we play factory as a duo, we like to farm factory. We both enjoy it. We both just happen to really, really enjoy going in factory. It's not a questing thing. We're not doing any weird task or anything. We're just farming XP and farming scavs, and it's just fun. And I'm thinking about how much more of the map just two people can lock down if they're playing together. And I would wrap on the idea that playing in a squad really is an advantage only if there's kind of a rough plan. And if you can really set up before the raid starts, here's our purpose, and we're kind of going to have this person be the leader of it. Otherwise, it turns into chaos. I'm going to go back to factory because you and I have a plan. We know what happens with each spawn point. When we play factory, every spawn point, we know without even talking about it, what we're going to do. And we just execute. And it's not like there's no discussion. There's nothing. We know exactly which role each one of us is going to play. And we lock down the map. And it's typically a six to 10,000 XP experience. And that's just the way that it ends up being. Now, if in each one of those decisions, it was, okay, what do you want to do? Okay, what do you want to do? Where, where do you want to go? You know, the map slows down, the play slows down, and then the squad becomes a disadvantage. And I think overall, if you're going to play in a squad, you should play enough with the same group of people so that you can get that kind of tribal knowledge on whatever you're doing, where you don't have to have a lot of comms. And if you're new, one of the things I was thinking about, another kind of like cultural tip is just ask a question before you get into the raid. If you don't know something, if you're not sure about what the plan is going to be, you're obviously not the one that's going to be leading the raid. You may be the best PvP player of all time, but you're probably not going to be the person on level one going to be leading around all of your friends. So ask. Have that discussion before it starts and don't be embarrassed to ask the question, hey guys, what do we do if we spawn here, if we spawn here? Pull up mapgenie.io, pull up the map that you're doing and ask the questions because after you spawn is the wrong time to do that. And so I think kind of wrapping up my thought here is I think that squads work really well only if you have a pretty good history with the person you're playing with. Otherwise, for me personally, solo just fits the way that I play much better. Yeah, th there's some of that I agree with. I mean, I think that's the easiest way to do it. I think if you're coming from... FPS games or you have a history in shooters and and you can kind of be ambidextrous in your play style. Like if you don't have a problem playing slow, if you can be aggressive or you want to learn the other one. I think there's I think there's room for that. I think squatting up with different people comes down to communication, comes down to map knowledge. I mean, if you don't know factory and you just join like 10 different squads that are going to play factory, you may find that that's really hard because everyone plays a little different. I think that you brought up a really good point about, you know, how to be a better teammate. 
it, it had me thinking about something that happens a lot with squads, especially if a new player comes along or a new person in the squad comes along. Let's say you have three, four, five people and someone's leading and everyone's following them. It can be really easy as the new person to the squad to basically be looking at the person in the front all the time. And what you're effectively doing is eliminating an angle that should be covered. You're not covering an angle. So if you are brand new to a squad, I would highly recommend trying to be the tail. And say that, hey, I'll I'll hold the rear, I'll hold the back angle, and I may need you to tell me where you are if I fall behind, but I'll make sure that our back is covered. Because one of the worst things that can happen is if everyone's like looking at the leader, no one's looking right, no one's looking left, and they're relying on the leader to initiate and win combat. And if you simply have the back person in a squad covering the rear, making sure no one comes up behind. And if someone does come up behind, just simply say someone behind us 20 meters away. That simple communication will save so many squad wipes. I just, I can't even explain it. You don't want it to be as a result of a death. But when Rennie got killed, he was behind Tony and behind me. We were, he was in like, we were in like a Y formation and he was on the back end of it. And when he went down, Tony and I pinched back to our spot and Rennie gave a simple call. He had to have come from this direction. He was behind. That simple communication led to that being successful. But if you're the tail and you die, you still did your part. You gave the communication. You try to defend the rest of the team. It's one of the things I see often in big groups is just <laughs> basically people running single file. And then you get flanked from the left, right, or the back, and everyone's freaking out because they're not sure where it came from. So know that sound is going to be challenging and try to cover a visual angle that nobody else is covering. It's a huge, huge thing to do when you're in squads. Yep, and my final tip for the new player playing in squads is this is going to be something you're just going to have to experience one time, but odds are you are used to playing much more slowly than the person or people that you are going to be running with. And what's going to happen is you're going to be too embarrassed to say that. And so you're going to get into your first raid and you're going to, these guys are, you know, going to be like, yeah, we'll help you. We'll help you. This would be great. And they're going to run and you're going to get lost because they're going to be holding their W and their shift key down and you're going to not have any idea where they went at all. You're going to get lost. And then it's going to be, hey, guys, I lost you. Where are you? I don't know. You know, and so the thing to do before that happens, it's just not something FPS gamers naturally do, but you have to say beforehand, look, guys, never played this map before. Can we play a little slower? I don't want to lose you, whatever. I'll follow you around, you know, whatever. But I don't want to get lost in the map and slow the raid down because everyone could potentially die while they're turning around to look for you. So it's better to establish that, especially if it's your first couple of raids with a new group before you even get going. And then everybody just has fun. Uh, it will happen to you. So if, if you don't think I'm right, go ahead and try it <laughs> and you'll get lost. You'll be like, oh, man, this is terrible. And you might even get team killed, which is even more fun when that happens, when you get out of sync with where the rest of your team is. I would say expect that. It will happen. Team kills happen. Nothing to be negative about. There's no UI in this game. If you kill someone or they kill you, it may be momentary frustration. It always will be. But everybody has experienced it in this game. Team killing happens. Don't feel bad about it. Learn from it. If someone gets just overly mad about it, like, well, it's just maybe it's not their day. I don't know. But 
every single time a team kill has happened in a squad that I'm on, it's just kind of like, oh, did you just kill me? <laughs> yep, sure did. <laughs> so a lot of it comes down to communication, but we really wanted to spend some time on squads because I feel like as a new player, and you guys, I'm talking daily, daily for the past two weeks, we've heard from somebody who just built a PC, someone who had planning to get the game someone who wanted to try Tarkov, they're brand new to mouse and keyboard, they're brand new to PC gaming, and they picked up the hardest game out there. If you're going to bring new people into your squad, think about it. You know, know that you're gonna overwhelm that person. And there's a point where if you've told them seven, eight, nine callouts or the names of locations in a raid, odds are they're going to remember one and probably zero. Uh, it takes repetition over and over and over. What'd you call that? Okay. Why do you call it that? Okay. Just make sure there's a good balance of here's what this is called. Here's why. Here's some good spots. But know that at some point they're going to get overwhelmed. And at some point you may you may feel like you're saying too much, but you just aren't. You're not going to know what someone latches on to. So, you know, if you're leading a squad and there's new people, whether they're new to the game or just new to your squad, try to have that patience. Remember that even for somebody like me, I've got, I don't even know how many hours I have, well over a thousand at this point, tons of hours on interchange. I don't even know the callouts on the top side of interchange. So even for somebody like me, it can be intimidating. I went into it to have fun, but from a callout perspective, I was a new guy. So even for someone like me, it can be that way. How much more so somebody that just got this game. So know that, work with them. It's just something that I, I'll say this. I love that our community welcomes people in, helps them out, gives them advice, brings them into raid. That's just amazing to see. So we did want to spend this week just really hammering on this subject because I don't want new players scared to squat up. I don't want solo players scared to squat up. People that are used to squad shouldn't be scared to solo either. There's the, also the reverse is true. You know, I have my buddies to protect me. Now I don't. Don't be scared to go solo. We see this happening all the time. We have great squad leaders. Um, I mentioned a couple of them tonight. These guys are great. If you get a chance to raid with them, do it. Again, thank you guys. Anybody who leads a raid in the Exfil community and welcomes somebody new, thank you. It's an amazing thing. This game is hard and it's a game we all love, but we love to hate it too. So <laughs> just know that frustration will happen. Just be ready for it. Yeah, and as we kind of wrap this up, I wanted to point out a couple of things. First of all, when your first team kill does happen, jump in the Discord. We have a section. We have a wall of shame for team kills. Get that screenshot up there. You need to document it forever because there's nothing better than having all of your friends remind you of something that you do that's stupid. <laughs> We've provided that just for you. And the second thing is be sure to take advantage of all of the team chat channels in Discord. We've got plenty of comp channels set up. Get in there, do your duos, your your threes, your fives, whatever you're going to do. Take it full advantage of that. We've got Discord set up specifically for that. But that's about it. I would say the green bar is starting to flash. It's time for us to uh, get on out of here. But before we disappear, my one ask for this week is if you're listening to this on audio, that you would check us out on YouTube. And we have every single week, we put a question of the week in the comment section on YouTube. Go ahead there and drop a comment as to answer that question. That would be great to get some engagement with fellow community members that especially if you're an audio-only listener, you may not get much engagement with as the two groups of people are actually quite different, which is pretty cool. But besides that, but besides that, 
Remember, you can find the show in audio format on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as every other podcast app that's out there. And all you have to do is search for Xfil and add it to your favorite podcast app. That's pretty much it for this week. And as always, thank you for listening or watching. We hope that you have a great week in your raids. And if if you're going to run with your buddies, we hope your squad is successful and everybody makes it out okay. Otherwise, if you're going to run with all of your friends, we hope everyone makes it to the X-Fill and gets out alive. And we'll see you on the next one. See everybody. Thank you. I was expecting you to talk. So what was the question? (laughs) Okay. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just start that over completely <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll start it off when you said but I want to hear what you said first I was like oh I wasn't listening close enough <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>